Let's, let's pray. Father, this morning we want ears that can hear and hearts that can receive. We want to be changed by your word to be more like Jesus. And so, Father, I pray this morning that the words that come out of this mouth would be your words. And that your Holy Spirit would take those words and accomplish in every life here that which it is your good pleasure to do. And I thank you, Father, for every person sitting here this morning. I thank you for the blessing they are in the body of Christ. And I ask, Father, that you would weave this all together to allow us to become more like Jesus. And it's in his name that we ask it. Amen. My sermon topic today is a legacy of grace. I am going to be referring frequently to Pastor Nick. This is not a memorial to Pastor Nick. This is a memorial to Jesus Christ and his faithfulness in a man of God who took that faithfulness and passed it on to others and left with us a legacy for us to take and pass on to others. All right, you just heard my sermon. I'm done. (laughs) Christian Outreach Church is born out of the need to shepherd those who were part of the Christian Outreach Center, the various ministries that were based here. And by the time Nick suffered his stroke in 2010, a number of those missions had been fulfilled and a few other had moved off campus. And, and God was preparing us for the next phase, the next thing of things to do. Two years later, Nick appointed seven elders uh, because of his failing health. And they took over preaching, teaching, ministering, and guiding the congregation. The first year we served, we were told by numerous ministries familiar with Christian Outreach Center that we should not go back to the old vision, that God had a fresh vision, another vision. Actually, if you would, a phase two of what he started in phase one. We took that to heart. Since then, we have been focusing on upreach, which includes prayer and our vertical relationship with God our Father. Additionally, we focused on outreach, which includes evangelism, discipleship, and unity. And we are also focusing on the proclamation of God's word, which is a form of spiritual warfare. And we are excited about the direction God is leading us as a body. We believe that the Holy Spirit wants to use Christian Outreach Church as a center, as a demonstration of unity in the body of Christ. We also believe that for whatever reason, God wants to use Jefferson County as a wellspring of unity in the Midwest. In John 17, verse 23, Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer and he prays to the Father, I am them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Why is the church in America today not as powerful, not as uh, impactful as the church was in Jerusalem? 
The church in Jerusalem had a lot more things going against it. Caesar for one, the, Jewish, uh, the Jews for two, and they were preaching something that nobody had heard before. I would submit the reason why the church isn't, is not impactful today is because the world cannot know that, G, that the Father sent the Son because we are not in unity as bodies or as a body, a large, the overall body of Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we see an example of what happens when Christians come together in oneness. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I don't think it's a stretch to say that the Lord added to their number day by day because they were in oneness. And the unbelievers to become believers saw this. It is not natural for men to be in unity. Not at all. We, we argue over everything. We all think it should be done a different way. That's the world way. That's why we have wars. But when people see a group of people who are willing to set aside their own agendas for a greater good and come together and love each other and support each other and lay down their lives daily for one another, they know there is something different about those people. They see Jesus with flesh on in those people. The unity of the body of Christ is a most powerful witness. As I said, men don't naturally dwell together in unity. Now when we speak of dwelling in unity, I do not believe that it means we have to agree on every doctrine. I want to take you into the Greek in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, where Paul is saying, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. The Greek word used here is henotes, and it means oneness. So we could read Ephesians 4.13 as saying, until we attain to the oneness of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Man. Now, the Greek word for faith is the common form pestis, which literally means conviction of the truth of anything, a belief. In the New Testament, it's the conviction of believing or belief of respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Relating to Christ, it would mean a strong and welcome conviction to the belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. So we could accurately read Ephesians 4.13 as 
until we attain to the oneness of a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So then I am not convinced that unity of the faith means coming into absolute agreement with every doctrine. I believe the unity of the faith means we are in agreement that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to earth, died on the cross, was raised again on the third day by the Father, and through him, by grace, through faith, we have salvation. Our relationship with God our Father is restored. That's, the, that's our faith. That's the faith. And while doctrines will always be a little different in other areas, if we can agree on this, we're all part of the same body of Christ. And so, if we can lay aside, I'm not saying not believe our doctrines, but if we can lay aside our differences and come together on what's really, really important, which is Jesus Christ, then we can have unity not only in our body, but in all other bodies, the whole body of Christ. But like so many things, it's one at one place at a time. First, we have to come into unity here. And then we can take this unity and we can share it with another church that we are really good, good uh, friends with, brothers and sisters with. And it becomes an infection and it will grow. And especially as people see God blessing those that come into his will for unity in the body of Christ. Others will take notice and want to follow the same example. It is our conviction in Jesus Christ that makes us members of his body. And every elder here at CLC shares this vision and longing to see the body of Christ come into oneness. However, oneness can only exist in an environment of grace and love. And how blessed we are. That is the legacy that Pastor Nick has left us. I didn't cry when I was writing this. <clears throat> you see, there, there can be no oneness where there's not love, abundant love, because love covers a multitude of sins. And yes, we are regenerated sinners, but it is too often that we fail to remember who we are. Just like James says, we look in the glass, we know who we are, but then we turn away and we forget. And in that forgetting, too often we hurt each other. And it's only in an environment of love that those hurts can be forgiven and not remembered anymore. You know, we're Christians because we're called little Christs. We forgive like Christ forgives, which is like his father forgives because they're one which is we remember sins no more. That's true forgiveness. Without the foundation of grace, we don't understand how much God loves us. And we don't understand who we are in Christ. And we remain weak in faith instead of growing strong in faith. 
and we become defensive. We get inward looking instead of outward looking. You see, when I know who I am in Jesus Christ, if I happen to come into one of those times that I forget who I am and I hurt you, I don't have to beat myself up. I don't have to let the devil beat me up. I don't even have to let you beat me up. Because I know that I am forgiven by my Father. I know who I am. I'm still a child of God. I'm still the apple of his eye. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, in that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Another way you could say that is to know the love of God that, or of Christ that surpasses knowing, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Unless we are grace-based, unless we are rooted and grounded in love, we cannot be filled with the fullness of God, and we can therefore not impact the world around us the way Christ did, the way the early church did. Not only has COC been left a legacy by Pastor Nick, but so has every person that has sat under his teaching or sat under the teaching of somebody who was discipled by him. Pastor Nick ingrained so many wonderful, essential understandings from God's word in me and a carefulness in how to handle God's word in my own life that much of what I teach and the passion with which I teach it comes from what I learned from Nick. Now, don't misunderstand me. It was the Holy Spirit that opened my eyes. It was the Holy Spirit that gave me revelation. But Nick was the anointed man of God that allowed the Holy Spirit to use him to clearly communicate, demonstrate, teach, disciple, grace. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, In what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. I trust I have been a faithful man. I trust that I have taken what God has invested in me by the Holy Spirit through Nick in, in much part. I hope I've invested that in my children. I hope I've invested that in my wife. I hope I've invested that in those I disciple and those I shepherd. I hope I've invested that with every person that has, I have encountered. That somehow it's made a difference in their, in their lives. So as the Apostle Paul encourages us along with Timothy to extend the legacy provided to us by the Holy Spirit through Pastor Nick and others to others. So we should pass that legacy on to others. This is why Jesus called us to make disciples. We are to invest our legacy in Christ to faithful men and women who will take that legacy and invest it in other faithful men and woman. That's the job that Jesus left us when he ascended on high. 
This morning is probably as good a morning as any to ask ourselves, what are we doing with our legacy? If we find ourselves lagging, I would share with you the same words that Pastor Nick often shared with me. First from Romans 8, 1 and 2, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And secondly, from Philippians 3, verses 13 and 15, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Today's a new day. Today is the day the Lord has made. He allowed you to wake up and breathe today because he has a purpose for you today and tomorrow. And every day he gives you the privilege of walking on this earth. Forgetting what lies behind in straining forward to, lie, to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the legacy that you have left to us given to us by Jesus Christ through Pastor Nick. And I want to thank you, Father, that you have called us to be faithful men and women who will take that legacy and pass it on to others. And I pray this morning, Father, in the name of Jesus, according to your will, that we would all be faithful stewards of that which you have entrusted to us, the good news that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, that he died for our sins, he paid for our sins. And because of his atoning blood, we can have eternal life with you. Father, I ask you to strengthen us, everyone here this morning, each and every one, to take this legacy of the gospel of Jesus Christ of an overcoming life and allow us to invest it in those you give us the opportunity to spend time with, to meet. That as we go, Father, as we go through life, we would be faithful to make disciples to plant the seeds of your word, to water your word, and to have the privilege sometimes of reaping that work. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. Amen.